Um, let's, let's begin with prayer. Father, thank you so much for meeting us here again. Thank you for your word. Thank you for truth. Thank you for um, salvation and for your Holy Spirit that settles into our hearts and opens up our eyes and opens up our minds to grasp what you have for us. Lord, I just pray that you would do just that tonight, that, that you would, would open us up to receive. Lord, that we would see things in your word that we have never seen before, that we would have a fresh revelation, that you would reveal to us the truth of the passages that we will be studying, Lord, that, that it just wouldn't be limited to my understanding of it, but that you would go beyond my human understanding, what I'm able to present, and that you would anoint it, and that you would just open it up, and that it would just unroll and unravel and lavish these people with your grace and with your love, and that we would know you in a way we've never known you before after spending time with you in your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's begin by um, opening up our Bibles, and we are going to read all of John 15, verses 1 through 17. It will also be up on the screen. And again, I'm reading from um, the NASB. I'm really happy to see that uh, most of you came back. I did not scare you with the pruning situation, so that is good. It, it's happier to me. What's that? I, I do not have the pruning shears. I left those at home. So yes, we will not be pruning this evening or disciplining. <laughs> so that's good. John chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. This is what we talked about last week. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. 
but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. This I command you, that you love one another. Okay, we're going to do a quick review. Some of you were here, some of you were not. It's quiz time. Okay. Who is the vine? Jesus is the vine. That's right. If you don't know the answer, just say Jesus and you're usually going to be almost, almost always right. Except for this question, who is the vine dresser or the gardener? God, the, yeah, you can raise it or you can just yell it out, man. Just yell it out. The Father, yes. And what is the gardener or vine dresser's main job? Yes, to coax fruit out of those branches, right. Who are the branches? We are the branches, that's right. Okay. There are five kinds of branches. We're going to talk about those really quickly. First, there's the branch in Christ that does not bear fruit. That is found in John 15, 2. To that, God takes it away, lifts it up, takes it up or cleans it. Okay, now, if you're a young branch, remember, he will secure you in place to just give you more time to grow, right? If you're not bearing fruit because of sin, what happens? He disciplines you, okay? And when does the discipline stop? When you stop sinning and you repent. That's right. Okay, next there was the branch in Christ that bears fruit. That's in John 15 too also. To that, he prunes it so that it becomes the third kind of branch, which is the branch in Christ that bears more fruit. So, who can tell me what's the difference between pruning and discipline? How do they differ? <laughs> she has no idea. Does anyone have an idea? Okay. Yes, that's partially true. Uh, that, that's actually accurate, but that's not what I taught last week. <laughs> so... <laughs> But that's good. Um, yes. Right. Yes. I guess the, the, the answer that I'm looking for exactly is that pruning takes place because you're doing something right. Discipline is when you're doing something wrong. It can feel exactly the same. Also, pruning takes place and continues on until God's done. It, it can go on indefinitely because he's trying to produce as much fruit in you as possible. Whereas discipline will stop when you stop sinning. So he will stop disciplining you as soon as you stop and repent. That's, exact, that's what I was trying to get at. So, but yes, everything you said was accurate, just not what I was looking for. So. And being the teacher, I'm sure you can appreciate that. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> right. Exactly. Good answer, but not what I'm looking for. Um, okay, and then the fourth kind of branch is the branch in Christ that bears much fruit. That's found in John 15, 5. We're actually going to talk about that one next week. And then the fifth kind of branch is the branch that is not in Christ, also found in John 15, 5b and 6. 
And to that, we're going to find out what God does to that one today. So tonight, we're going to focus on that fifth branch, the one that does not abide in the vine. And then we're going to talk about what it means to abide in the vine. So let's first discuss the branch that is not in Christ. We're going to first look again at John 15, verses 4 through 6. John 15, beginning at verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. What we know from this passage is this. First, a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. And neither can we unless we abide in Christ. That's the first thing we know. Secondly, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And thirdly, if anyone does not abide in Christ, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them, the dried up branches, and they cast them into the fire and they are burned. So this is a dried up grapevine. Someone gave this to me here at church to use as an illustration. And I took it home and I put it in our mudroom and at least two people in my family said, why is there a dead branch in our house? Because we live on five acres and there are dead branches everywhere. And someone thought, someone just brought in this dead branch and left it there. Okay. This used to, I'm sure, at one time be connected to the vine, and it probably had green on it, and it probably had grapes on it. But once it was removed from the vine, this is what happens to it. So I, this is precisely, I mean, there's no, there's no good in this except to be thrown into the fire, correct? Correct. Okay, so let's unpack that because spiritually we don't want, ever want to be this. We want to make sure we're never this. So let's unpack exactly what that scripture says. We're going to try to pull everything out of it that we can understand from this so that we make sure we never become that. So apart from me, you can do nothing. What does that mean? Obviously, it doesn't mean literally nothing because people apart from Christ are doing stuff, right? They're not just all sitting in their home staring at the wall and active. Like, they're not doing that. Humans do things. In fact, humans who don't know Christ do a lot of things. Humans who don't know Christ do some really good things, actually. I I know people, and you probably do too, who don't serve God at all, and yet they are very generous people. They serve the poor. They take good care of their kids. They teach in our schools. I mean, they're doing things. So what does it mean? Well, the immediate reference was probably to Judas because... If you remember, Jesus had just dismissed Judas from dinner. And he, then he went on to start talking about the vine and the branches. So he could have been immediately referencing him. But for us, who else might this apply to? Well, let's look at a couple other places where Jesus talked about this, and we're going to try to get a better idea of it when we look at, at compare it to some other scriptures. Matthew chapter 15. Turn to Matthew 15 beginning at verse 1, and we're going to read all the way to verse 20. We're going to look at a lot of scripture tonight. 
Matthew 15, beginning at verse 1, says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and said, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? And he replied, Duh. No, actually, I would have said duh. (laughs) That's my. Jesus replied, Every branch in me that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the pit. Peter said, explain the parable to us. And then this is where Jesus says, duh. (laughs) No, he says, are you so dull? Jesus asked them, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Okay, that's a lot of scripture. But here Jesus is talking specifically about the Pharisees. And those were, at the time, religious people who honored God with their lips, but their hearts were far from them. So hold on to that. We're going to look at a couple more things, and we're going to bring it all together. Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 15. Watch out for false prophets, for they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many, who will, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." So here Jesus is talking specifically about false prophets. 
but also he made a very clear distinction between people who hear, he, he very much wanted to distinguish people who heard God's word and did not put it into practice. That is what he's very much highlighting in this verse. Okay, one more. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So this is Paul talking, and here he is specifically talking about people who do all the right things on the outside, but they do it without love. So in the first example, in, in Matthew 15, Jesus said it was possible to honor God with your lips, but have a heart that's far from him. And he called that hypocrisy. Their praise and their honor meant nothing. In the second example, in Matthew 7, we see people prophesying in Jesus' name, and they're driving out demons, and they're performing miracles, but they are not doing the will of the Father. They're hearing God's words, but they are not putting it into practice, so their good works amount to nothing. And then in the third example, in 1 Corinthians, we see someone who speaks in tongues, we see someone who has the gift of prophecy, the gift of knowledge, the gift of faith, but he does not have love. And all of his spiritual gifts amount to nothing. So according to scripture, if we take scripture and compare it to other scripture, which is the best way to study it, apart from me you can do nothing, appears to me nothing of eternal value. Even your praise to God, even your good works, even your spiritual gifts have absolutely zero value to God. They don't count in eternity if you are not connected to and abiding in the vine. You'll be doing lots of stuff, but it won't count. So the best way that I think to illustrate this is... Um, it's a little bit like qualifying for the health insurance discount at my husband's place of employment. So they have this great program where they promote healthy living and they give insurance discounts to people who do those things, who are actively pursuing a healthy lifestyle. And I love this because um, one, I, I think I'm healthy, and two, I am actively pursuing a healthy lifestyle. The problem is that they can't follow me around all day to see what I'm doing. They can't see that I exercise most, most days. They can't see that I eat healthy most meals. Um, and they won't just take my word for it because it turns out that people tend to lie about such things in order to get a discount. So um, even if I were to try to be truthful, people tend to grossly over-exaggerate their level of activity and greatly under-exaggerate their level of healthy eating. So even if I were to try to be truthful, it probably wouldn't be accurate. So my, my husband's employer will count my exercise and my food um, as valid in one of three ways. I can either take a class through his employer, and I can go to this class. I'm not an employee, so th I, this one doesn't even count. But if I were an employee, I could go to a class, 
they would register me in this class, they would say that I attended, and I would get points. Okay, well, that one doesn't work for me. Or I can work out at a designated YMCA. And if I go to this YMCA, they will automatically know Sandy's working out today, my workouts will be tracked, and they will automatically be translated to John's employer where I will get my discount, my points. Or I can wear a step tracker, like a Fitbit. And I can track my steps, and I can then take the Fitbit, put it into my computer, download the data into my computer, then upload that data to the employer's website so that they receive that data, okay? So what that means is that I can literally walk 10,000 steps a day for an entire year. But if my Fitbit is not secured to my wrist to collect the data, if it, the battery's not charged, if I don't take that and plug it into the USB port and transport all of that data to my computer and upload it to the website, none of those steps will count. It is as if I did not exercise as far as they are concerned. Now, it's still doing some good in my body, obviously, just like good works done by people not connected to the vine will do some good in the world. But it, if my goal is to get those points, I have to, I have to follow the rules that, that his employer has laid out for us. Connect the Fitbit to my wrist, make sure that it's working, track my steps, download it. If, I, if, if my USB port is not abiding in, in my computer, if, if, if my USB cord is not abiding in my computer and it's not transmitting, it, it, it means nothing. It's like that with Jesus. You can actually be doing all the stuff, okay? But if your heart is not one with God, and if you are not abiding in the vine, none of those good works translate to eternity. They will just be good right here, and then they will not work in eternity. They don't count. So how do we make our lives count for eternity? Because that's the only way that you become this, is just by not doing what he said. If you disconnect yourself from the vine, this is what happens to your vine. It might look pretty for a little while, like cut flowers, you know. They look good for about a week, and then they do this. I bet this was pretty for a little while after it got disconnected. But then it becomes this. So we don't want to become this. So. Okay, how do you know if you're abiding? Well, this is really good news, but you don't need to wonder if you're abiding. God wants it to be abundantly clear to you, just like last week when we talked about how God wants it to be abundantly clear to you when he's disciplining you. He has no desire to withhold this knowledge from you. It's the same way with the abiding. So I used to read those scriptures, especially that one that says, Many shall come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, and I will say, depart from me, I never knew you. That used to scare the tar out of me because I would think, are there really going to be all these people who think they're serving God and they're going to be standing before Jesus and he's going to say, depart from me? Like, what is that about? But now I know that abiding in the vine is a very deliberate act. And you absolutely know when you're doing it. And you absolutely know where your strength and your nutrients are coming from. 
You know when you're connected. This is not a mystery. Here are three truths about abiding that God makes very, very clear. And we're going to look at these are from these three scriptures that we looked at, and then we're going to find them all in John 15. First of all, God wants your heart. These people, Jesus said, worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Secondly, God wants you to obey his word. In Matthew 7, he said, he described those people as everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. The people who, who were the ones who he welcomes into eternity, the ones who built their house on a rock. Those were the ones who heard the word and obeyed it. And third, God wants you to love. First, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul describes all those great things and then said, but if I do not have love. So those are the things we absolutely know to be true. Now let's look back at John 15, and we can find them all these truths in there as well. John 15, beginning at verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Verse 7, if you abide in me, and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, and I have also loved you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So just in those couple of verses, we already see obedience to his word and abiding in his love. They seem to be interconnected. They don't even seem to be like he just seamlessly moves back and forth from thing to thing. Skip down to verse 12. It says, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. There's love again. Greater love has no one than this that they lay down his life for his friends. Then he goes in 14 and says, you are my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. So now he's talking about implications of the heart. He is implying deep relationship here. He's not saying, I, just, I don't want you to just be a slave and do everything I, I tell you to do. I want to be your friend. I want you to be my friend. He wants your heart. Verse 15 no longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the father in my name, he may give you. This I command you, that you love one another. He wants your heart, he wants you to obey his word, and he wants you to love. Those are the three ways you know that you are not separated from the vine. And those are very deliberate acts, okay? You're going to be doing those. You're going to know that you're doing those. You're not going to be like, whoa, I was obeying and I didn't even know it. Or, whoa, I was loving and I didn't even know. You know when you're doing those things. Okay, now note, the command is not to bear fruit. The command is to abide and to love. It is very tempting to focus on the part, I wish I had a branch that was illustrating this, to focus on the, as a branch, okay, so here's, here's the vine, I'm connected, here I am, 
and, and all my fruit's coming over here. It is so tempting as a branch to focus all my efforts over here on this fruit. But that's not where Jesus is asking us to, he's, he's not even, he doesn't ever command us to bear fruit. He commands us to abide, turn to him, focus on this connection, that connection where that branch meets that one true vine, that's our focus. From here on out, that's all I want you to worry about. That's all you worry about is when, when things are going haywire over here, that is not your issue. The father is in charge of coaxing the branch to get the fruit out. Your job is to stay connected to the vine. That's all your job is. That's all you have to do. That's where all the sap and life-giving nutrients flow there anyway. So if you, if you just stay focused on that connection, the fruit takes care of itself. Okay, so before we discuss what true abiding is, because we know kind of generally what it is, but I don't know about you, I need like really practical, I need to know like, okay, you know, love and obey and, you know, I, I want to really understand day to day what that looks like. But before we discuss what it is, I just want to say what it isn't, because I get very confused about this. First of all, abiding is not doing more stuff. It is not trying harder. And for those of us whose natural tendency is to go in this direction, <laughs> that would be me, this is great news, and, and, and it's a very important distinction. So it's not just, I'm just going to keep trying harder, and I'm just going to do more, and no, that is not what he's calling us to do. Okay, secondly, abiding is not sitting back and doing nothing. So I think in this really busy culture that we live in, you know, we all know, okay, well, busy's not good, so I will just swing my pendulum in the total opposite direction, and I will just be. I will just be. And, I, you know, I hear that a lot. I hear that's a very popular phrase right now, just be. And, and I'm not so sure that's biblical, and I'm not so sure that that's what abiding is. Abiding is restful, yes. It is absolutely restful. There's rest involved in abiding. But abiding is not void of activity. It doesn't mean that we're not expending some energy. It simply means that all the energy that we are needing is not coming from us. It's coming from the vine. But we're still doing stuff. Okay, so like if you see a tree that is out in your yard or anywhere, um, a tree looks like it's not really doing anything from the outside. In fact, if you see a tree in the winter, it looks like it might be dead. Like, you're not so sure if it's coming back next year, right? Inside that tree, there is so much going on that you cannot see. It doesn't mean nothing's happening. It's just all the stuff is happening on the inside. And, and that branch is not over there freaking out. The branch is just over there staying connected to the vine, bearing fruit. Staying connected to the vine and bearing fruit. And, 
And the, inside of the tree, there's all kinds of stuff going on that if you were to cut it open, and you'd be like, whoa. And it's all happening without us seeing. So that is one of the first things that you need to know about abiding is it's the stuff that most people don't ever see. The fruit, the fruit is out there for everyone to see. They can see it, they can taste it, they can touch it. And we're going to talk about that next week, all what the fruit is about. But the stuff that, that they don't see, that's the abiding part. So if you want to know the distinction, the abiding would be the stuff no one else sees. Okay, so let's talk about specifically abiding. The, the verb that is translated abide in this passage is the word epimeno. And the, the, I love the definition so much. It, um, it means to remain. It, remain it's, it means to stay, to dwell, to not depart, to continue, to be present, to be held, to be kept continually, to continue to be, not to perish, to last, or to endure, excuse me, to endure. All of those things encompass that word. So abide means so much more than just stay and put. It, it means to be living in that area. Like you're living there. You're not just stuck there. You're, you're living there. Um, so it implies, first of all, that it's something that takes time because all of those words that talk about you know, continual or to endure or to last, not to perish, all implies that, that this is something that takes time. You all know fruit does not grow in a day, right? And neither does your relationship with that vine. It's not a one and done thing. This is, this is your new place. This is where you now live. And secondly, it involves a quality relationship. The only limitation on the amount of sap and nutrients that go into the fruit from that vine, the only limitation is the circumference of that connection. So the wider and broader your connection to the vine, the more freely those nutrients can flow. So your job not only is to stay connected, but it is also to make that connection as wide as you possibly can make it. Get rid of all the obstructions. Get rid of anything that would disease it, anything that would sever it, anything that would, that would inhibit that flow. That should be your focus. Like you, That connection between you and Jesus should be as wide and, and, and secure as you can possibly, possibly make it. A severed, damaged, or diseased connection won't allow the nutrients flow, to flow necessary for fruit production. And third, and we already mentioned this, but abiding is invisible to the world. You can tell that the branch is connected, but all the important stuff, the flowing, the nutrients, the life, it's all invisible to the outside world. So what does this look like practically? Well, first of all, it means spiritual disciplines. Um, and discipline, spiritual disciplines sound so restrictive and so rigid, and um, I hesitate to use that word, except I don't, because it's the truth. 
Abiding in the vine practically means you are praying, you are fasting, you are reading your Bible, you are studying your Bible, you are meditating on the scriptures, you are spending time in solitude, you are spending time in worship, you are regularly confessing your sins, and you are resting. Those are spiritual disciplines. Now, whenever I talk about this, um, I'm always tempted to qualify it because I know, I know everyone's busy and I know everyone is going through stuff. And I want to give you all the benefit of the doubt. And I want you to give me the benefit of the doubt too, quite honestly. And, and I want to always say things like, and I used to say this all the time, whenever I would teach something like this, I would always say, listen, I know you are busy and tired, and I know you're really stressed, and, and many of you are just doing the best you can right now, and really, it's just fine to pray on the go, and God honors all of that, and um, you just do what you can. And I would just kind of leave it like that. And all of that's true. You know what? He does honor that. And and you are stressed and busy, and yes, okay, yes. But, this is a really hard part, but the more I learn about abiding, and the longer I walk this thing out, the, and the more deeply I dig into the Word of God, and study what He actually said, and, and study the, the people who actually followed Him, and do follow Him currently, um, the less I care about if I say it wrong to you. So um, if you're easily offended, this may be a good opportunity to take a potty break or get a drink of water because I'm going to say some things. Okay, so <laughs> um, you know what? I need this too, and, and I needed to read this even today. Like it was a new reminder for me, so yeah. Um, and I want to be careful not to shame anyone, so please don't misinterpret anything that I'm saying as shame. Um, please read it as urgency. Just hear it as urgency, because I love you. I do. You must make spending time with God your absolute top priority every single day. If something has to go, it must not be your time with God. If you have to choose, sorry, if you have to choose between eating and spending time with God, spend your time with God first. And if you have time, then you eat. If you have to choose between jumping in the shower and spending time with God, then, you know, we will all give you grace. <laughs> and we know that, you know, it won't be pretty. But don't give up your time with God. Having a skinny point of connection will only limit the Spirit's ability to flow through you, and you will remain weak, and you will continue to struggle. And you will either produce no fruit, or you will not be able to bear the weight of the fruit that is growing on you. In an immature branch, in a young branch, and this was true for me as well, the spiritual disciplines feel very thin, okay? It feels very much like an item on the to-do list. When I said it was, felt rigid um, and inconvenient and, you know, you see formulas and try setting a timer and try, you know, using this acronym and, you know, whatever. If, 
you do what you need to do. But as that branch expands and you start growing things on you and you are working on this abiding connection there, the more, and you start allowing more and more nutrients to flow through you, it stops feeling inconvenient. Like, like you can't imagine life without that. Like, when you start to, the, the very first time you start to grow actual edible fruit on your branch, you realize the only thing holding that up is this connection. And that if you let anything go, everything falls. Like, when you feel that the first time, all of a sudden, you know what? It doesn't even matter what you're giving up anymore. Like, it just doesn't even matter. Okay, I'm going to keep going. So, <laughs> um, You must set aside a significant amount of time in a private place so you can talk to God and he can talk to you. And I really, 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 really want you to stop worrying about where you're going to find that time. Because I can promise you, and I'm speaking from a person who has a very full life, and has had a full life for as long as I can remember. I can't ever remember not. If you take the time to work on that connection, one of two things is going to happen. Either all those things that you thought were so important that you didn't have time to spend a significant amount of time, and I'm not going to tell you what that is. I know what it is for me. I know what God's asking of me. But all those things that you thought you couldn't do, that you had to do so you couldn't do that, he will show you what you can put down. That will be one thing that could happen. Or it may be true that there's not one single thing that you can put down because you are in crazy season. But I promise you, and I don't know how this works, but I know it works because I have to rely on it almost daily, that if you spend the time with God first, he will somehow, miraculously, multiply your time. And it will just all, it will all work out. Like, I, I don't know how it works. I just trust, I trust it every single day. I just, I cannot tell you how many times per week I look at my day and I think, ugh, I don't think I have time for this. And then I choose, you know what, God, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give up this connection. I need, I need the connection. And then everything works out. It just does. I also want you to stop telling yourself that fasting is too hard. Okay, you know what? It is hard. I like food. I enjoy eating. I don't like being hungry. But I will tell you what. Fasting will do something for you. It, it does something to this connection. It, 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 it like releases obstructions. I don't even know. I don't understand how half of this stuff works. All I know is that I, I've, tr I've tested it, and it works. That's all I know. Like, I, and, and I feel like I'm supposed to share that. If you hear absolutely nothing else in these three weeks, you know, like that was the price of your ticket right there which was free. <laughs> okay. 
Are you still my friend? Okay, good. Okay, good. Um, the other thing, the next thing that, that is really an important component of abiding that no one else sees is your thought life. I think for me personally, this has been the biggest area of growth in me in the last 10 years. It is quite literally 2 Corinthians 10.5 where Paul says, we demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. As I, as I focus on that connection over the last several years, my thought life has taken a completely different turn. That could, this could be like a whole different study because your thought life is such a huge thing. But if you want to abide in him, your thoughts must abide with his thoughts, must align with his thoughts. And, and as those thoughts come into your mind, you can renew them, you can change them, you can arrest them, and, 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 and that scripture that I just quoted in 2 Corinthians 10.5 where it says, we take captive every thought and make it obedient. Okay, that is implying this is going to be a fight. Okay, I'm not saying any of this is easy because wrestling your thoughts down, even paying attention to your thoughts and trying to decide, does this one align with the word of God? Does this one align with thought, God's thoughts? It's, it's a battle. It's exhausting at first. But once you start to incorporate this practice into your life, think of it as in, enlarging that connection between you and God, between you and the vine so you can bear your fruit. Once you start focusing on that, it literally will change your mind. Like, your mind changes. You will just start thinking different thoughts automatically. It won't be a fight forever because you will change your pathways, your neural pathways. There's, there's actually science to back this up. Like, this isn't only Bible. It's also science. And, and if you're thinking to yourself, but I don't know if my thoughts align with God's thoughts, well, that brings me back to number one. You must spend time with God's thoughts. These are God's thoughts. So if you're, if you're wondering if your thoughts align with his thoughts, well, this would be a good place to compare them. <sighs> okay, the third one. The things people don't see that are components of abiding. The third one is your motives. This gets right to your heart. Your, your why, your why is probably the most important thing about you. In this area where you're connected to the vine, God will, when, when you are continually bringing your stuff to him, okay, so in, in that abiding action, when you're spending time with him daily, and you're constantly communicating with him about your life and all the things that are happening, because, you know, all that stuff, all the stuff that's growing on the branch, that's your life, okay, that's the stuff of your life. It's your kids, it's your ministry, it's, it's the impact you're having on the world, it's the people you touch, it's, it's all of that, all of that. So you keep bringing this to him, you're talking to him. As you do that, he will continually start asking you the question. He will say, why do you want this? Why are you doing this? And unless that answer 
becomes at some point, I should say until that answer becomes, some form of, because God, I love you with my whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I want to advance your kingdom, and I am here to do your will. Until the answer becomes that, for every single thing, he will just keep asking you, what's your motive here? What's your motive here? What is your motive here? Until, it, and I don't even know that I'm, I'm there with every single thing. I don't know that I can say that. But he will continually ask that until, because, you know, we're becoming more like him. We're going through a sanctification process. This, but your motives are such a key part of that. The next one is your trust, okay? Who do you trust and how, how much do you trust the Lord? These are things no one sees, okay? This is not your fruit. This is the abiding part. When things don't go as planned, what do you do? Do you freak out inside? I do sometimes. Do you doubt? Do you question God's goodness? Do you become anxious and worry? Or do you trust God? And I'm not throwing this out tritely because, you know, as I just stated, I do that sometimes. But as my connection increases with him, so does my trust in him. And as I allow him to continue to prune me, and I realize he didn't kill me, because sometimes you think you're dead. Like sometimes you're just, you're pruned back to the little twig, and you're just like, what in the world? And then you see, if you just stay connected, that the next season comes and all the foliage comes back. And, and that process, annual, you know, the pruning happens annually on a real vine. So there are regular intervals of pruning in your life. And as you go through that process a couple times, and you see, okay, when he cut me back like that, I grew like this. And then he cut me back like that, and I grew like this. When you let that happen a couple times and you submit to the pruning a couple times, it causes you to trust him. And that, that connection to the vine gets bigger and bigger and bigger because your trust in him is growing bigger and bigger and bigger. The next one that no one sees is your love for others. You can act like you love people on the outside, but God knows how you are really loving on the inside. And this is a hard one because, you know, a lot of us are just faking it until we make it, right? We're just like, because some people, people are hard to love. I'm hard to love too, so I'm not saying, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> like, I'm talking about me too. But 1 John 4.16 says, God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Okay, that word lives in God, that's the word epimeno that we just talked about that's translated abide. And the author of 1 John is the Apostle John who wrote John 15. Okay, so he's, he's expanding upon that point. God is love, and whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So quite, quite honestly and at the very truest sense, abiding in Christ and loving others, completely inseparable. You cannot, you cannot abide in Christ and not love other people. It's impossible. That will sever you. If you think you can abide in Christ and be a jerk, sorry, 
you can't. And next, your obedience. And again, this is a private thing because you don't know what God has asked me to do. And I don't know what God has asked you to do. And I could be up here doing all kinds of things in front of you, and you would have no idea if I was being obedient or not. But I know. I know. And your obedience is key to your connection. Your obedience is the key for you to hear God even tell you the next thing. He sometimes won't even say anything else to you until you obey that last thing he told you. So if you're wondering, this is a little side note, this was not in my notes, but if you're wondering why you can't hear him, I highly recommend you go to the very last thing that he, you know for sure he said and make sure you obeyed that. Because if you didn't, it's kind of like, you know, I do this with my kids. You know, they will, they will come to me and I'll say, okay, but before we do that, you have to do this. And then, you know, five minutes later, they'll come back and they'll be like, did you do that? And if they didn't, then, okay, well, then we aren't having a conversation right now. You need to please go do what I asked you to do. It's very, very much like that with, with God. There are so many scriptures on obedience. I'm going to read them really fast. We are actually doing great on time. Yay. Um, 1 John 5. Verse two, verses 2 and 3 says, this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. John eight thirty one, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. 2 John verse 9, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. James 1.25, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I have a funny story. This is also not in my notes. So like two summers ago, I'm sitting on my back porch and I'm trying to memorize like the first, I don't know, chapter of James or something. I'm terrible at scripture memorization. So this is like, like, like horrible for me trying to remember these words in this order. And, and I'm trying to memorize this particular verse, you know, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And I just felt God just illuminate that scripture to me and say, you know, I would rather that you just go do this. <laughs> like, instead of just sitting there trying to, like, memorize it over and over, I just felt like him saying, just go do it. Go do it. Like, here, I, you got it right here if you need to reference what it says. Like, I'm not that I'm not against scripture memorization. Like, please memorize scripture if God's telling you to do that. I think it's beautiful for people who can. But for me that day, I felt God like, okay, just go do it. Just do, just do it. Okay, and then First uh, John 3.24 the one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And finally, John 14, 23, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. 
And that brings me to my last point. Abide in Christ like he's home. One more way that that word epimeno um, that was translated abide is used in the New Testament was with respect to where an individual lived. It, It was literally used as a word for home, translated home in some of of the passages. Jesus wants us to make our heart his home. He wants us to make our home in him. When When he's calling us to abide, he wants us to move in. We're moving in, and we are making our home with him and he in us, and we, we become that comfortable place. Like when I, I think about home, and I think it, it's comfort, and it's familiar, and it's a place where I am 100% myself. It's a place where I can wear my yoga pants and no makeup, and, and, and it's the place where I eat, and it's the place where I rest, and it's... It's the place where I love the people who are closest to me. My people are there with me. It's where I grew up. It's literally where I live. It's where I will go when I'm done here. I will go home. That's what God is asking. When when Jesus is saying, I am the vine and you are the branch, and if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. He's saying, Make your home in me. I was so excited um, when I discovered that, and then I looked up this passage in the message, Eugene Peterson's translation um, of this passage, and he actually uses the word home as the translation instead of abide. And so I'm going to end by reading that, and it will also be up on the screen. But I want you to hear how beautiful it is in in this version I am the real vine, and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes, and every branch that is grape-bearing he prunes back so it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me. Make your home in me, just as I do in you, in the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine. You can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation, intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourself at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you will ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples, I've loved you the way my father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done, kept my father's commands and made myself at home in his love. I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy, and your joy wholly mature. This is my command, love one another the way I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. 
you are my friends when you do the things I command you. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. You didn't choose me. Remember, I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. As fruit bearers, whatever you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you. But remember the root command, love one another. Pruning is God's part, abiding is our part, and fruit is the natural outgrowth of an abiding vine that is properly and regularly pruned by the Father. The result of abiding in Christ is that you will bear much fruit, but your focus must be not on the fruit, but on the abiding. And if you have any question at all about whether or not you are abiding in the vine, you can clear that up really, really quickly. Because unlike this dead branch, see, he's still grafting in dead branches. Like, you can totally, you don't even have to wonder. You can totally decide tonight. You can say, I want to be grafted in. And you can simply ask him. And he will, he will put you in right then. You can immediately turn green. You don't have to look like this ever again. Kelly's going to sing a song, and while she does that, I want you to just consider where you are right now. Maybe, you know, you need to pray and ask to be connected, or maybe you are connected, and you want to increase that circumference of your connection. Maybe you want a better quality connection because the fruit that you're starting to bear, you, you can't hold the weight of it. Or maybe you notice that you're not bearing the fruit that you thought you would have been bearing by now. And so you need to ask God, what is the problem? What's happening? Maybe he nudged your heart towards something that I said tonight. Maybe you've already, maybe he's already been talking to you about something and, and you can't believe that I actually said it. Um, as Kelly sings this song, I just want you to talk to him. Talk about your connection with him. And um, yeah, ask him, ask him to connect you completely to him and let his nutrients begin to flow through you, that you would bear much fruit. <laughs>